Welcome to the GNT Show. All right, welcome everyone to the latest episode of the GNT Show. Once again, I am joined by my host, co-host with the most, G, a man who has single-handedly been supplying all the athletes in Australia with their supplements, including some centres out at Parramatta. How are you, G? Michael Jennings says hello. I'm not bad, thanks. And now we've got a new chairman, so the dealmaker has arrived. We've got a new chairman at Dogs this week, so, you know, pretty is good. It, is it Hughes? Is it Gary Hughes? No, it's actually John Curry, who's um, had a, a big part to play in the junior league out there. Is that a good thing for the Dogs? I think so. He's got the club at heart. He he speaks very passionately and, you know, it's in addition to his day job. So he seems like his head's in the right place. So we'll see what happens. If he starts driving around in a Lamborghini, then maybe not. But no, he'll, he'll be good for the club, I think, John. You've heard it here first. When this goes pear-shaped, you know who to blame. One of the 119 signatures that forced this. Gee. <laughs> So, so, so in other in other late breaking news in the world of rugby league in 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 the hundred and twelve year old saga that is rugby league, of course, the biggest news that came out over the weekend was the Michael Jennings story on the morning of the game. Uh, obviously, his A sample came back positive. Uh, this killed whatever hope I had for my eels on the Saturday night. How's that for an unexpected wrinkle in the um, predictions? Yeah, that wasn't great. I mean, ironically, I think it made our right edge better because of the <laughs> because of the shuffle, but it, it wasn't great and really killed our chances. Although the boys were very spirited that night. What a couple of things I want to say about this one is: why does it take Asada so long? The test was on the twenty first of September or something. I don't know. I don't know. And it's 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 literally two or three weeks. Two or three weeks delay. I mean, they get the test back test results back within a few days. So I don't know why it takes them so long. I think the timing of this, they always seem to do it on the morning of a game or just before a big game and things like that. I mean, it's not great news if it's true. Again, it's alleged until we get the B sample back and all the rest of it. He's facing probably the end of his career if it is positive with a four-year ban. But I just the timing of this is just terrible. It's it smacks of opportunism. I agree with you. Like the timing, because Para's playing a big semi and all of a sudden the news comes out two weeks later. I'm with you. I think they tend to time these things for maximum exposure. I mean, what I've what I've worked out is Asada are clearly South Sydney supporters. I mean, remember when the two <laughs> South remember when the two South Sydney players? I think Dylan Walker was one of them. They nearly OD'd. Remember they got the hospital out, they got the ambulance out there and all that sort of stuff. Oh Do you yeah, that's that? right. Yes, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there was no there was no investigation into that, but. You know, Michael Jennings on the morning of the semi-final, Asada's all over there knocking on his door at 6.30 in the morning. Good job, Asada. Well done. Timing's excellent. Very efficient department you're running there. So that was obviously terrible news. Um, I mean, the other thing I will make make a point about the Michael Jennings things is apparently this drug, the reason why this is coming up so much is because, and James Seguiaro got done for the same drug, mm. um, is this used to be a legal drug up until two a couple of years ago. So it was a natural, not a natural supplement, but it was a supplement. So one of the supplements they take during training and things like that. Yeah. So, so this is not a case of anabolic steroids or something like that. It's a sup, it's a supplement that used to be legal that's now illegal, uh, and unfortunately, it looks like it, it it could be the end of his career and tarnish what has been up until now a great career for Michael Jennings. 
really good season too. So it's kind of it's a bit of a shame. And I think you know people always use that justification of oh they should know what they're putting in their bodies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if you're taking something that you've been taking for ten years or a protein powder or whatever, you know sometimes you're not aware when it just all of a sudden flips and let's be honest i mean it's there's so many news sources now i mean i don't know how they get the news for that type of stuff you know i'd sympathize with people that have to go through that where they're they're taking something they've always taken all of a sudden it changes so um hopefully it kind of gets sorted out and um we might see him back for a final season next year well it's not looking good at the moment but yeah let's see how it all plays out i mean we've got in 60 Minutes in Sydney, for those of you listening, it's a current affairs show, listening overseas, it's a current affairs show on Channel 9, one of the stations here, the Rugby League. Um, Aaron Molan and Anthony Seabold was on that yesterday talking about online trolling. And as one of the online trolls, I wanted to ask you, does it make you feel like a big man? Massive. I'm not an online troll. You're an offline troll. It's one of those things. I mean, it's kind of the internet. Twitter's kind of a little bit of a cesspool sometimes. I mean, who? it's easy for us to say when we're not the tar- when people aren't the target. You know, why do they worry so much? or in the public eye, etc., etc. But imagine being Anthony Seabold and his family and everybody else getting those messages that went around or, and someone starting those rumours. It's really malicious and really hurtful. You know, he could probably handle it, but the impact it has on your family or friends is, is really bad. So I don't know what you do about that. You know, it, it gives them a bit of anonymity so people take pot shots everywhere. It, it's... I don't know. I mean, T, what do you think about it? I'm, I'm not really sure how you stop it. Do you, do you link everything to somebody's name? But then the problem is it almost becomes a social score like they have in China where you can track everyone's comments about anything and everything to their you know, social media profile and it becomes a bit of a slippery slope, you know? I don't know how to solve it and, I, and I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I've only just discovered MySpace. <laughs> so... I've heard, I've heard this could be the next best thing, next big thing for kids listening out there. Uh, look, look up what MySpace was. <laughs> it's very, very it's first generation social media. And that leads me to the other, the other thing that caught my eye this week was the origin call-ups post uh, the Roosters and Parramatta both going out in straight sets. Nathan Brown, King Gutho, Regan Campbell-Gillard, Boyd Cordner, Angus Crichton, Luke Keary, Junior Paulo, James Tedesco, Daniel Tupo. Any surprises for you in those names? Or any surprise omissions? Not really. I mean, you know, you read stuff about Gutherson was a surprise, but I'm like, really? He's, you know, he, he was the key player and sort of influential person for a team that came, you know, finished in the top four and performed pretty well most of the year. So no, no real surprises. I don't think there's really any omissions. I mean, do you think there are any omissions? I thought they would probably pick one of the Morris brothers, but I'm not sure they wanted to play. But outside of that... I mean, the only the only one that I... Um, Ryan Madison, I thought, could have had a look in. I know... Yeah, sorry, about, yeah, that's a good call. I would have. I thought Ryan Madison would get the look in instead of Nathan Brown, but I guess Nathan Brown's mongrel would... You know, people would say, oh, he's an origin player. I mean, but they have they've got they have got a lot of back rowers. I think Gutho. The plan is to play Gutho at right centre, as opposed to to fullback. You know, they've got a vacancy there. I don't know that they think Zach Lomax is quite ready to start. Gutho was 18th man in Origin last year, so that's the rumour that he's going to start on the right, which would be terrible for Wonga Blake and his career prospects. We'll get onto my pet Parramatta Reels players later. Everyone's got their player. Yours is Wonga Blake. Poor Wanga. Better on the weekend. He was better against the Bunnies, um, but he, but you can tell he was down on confidence. Anyway, all right, well, that brings us to... Was there anything else that caught your eye this week, G? Not really. I suppose coming towards the end of the season, uh, you know, there's rumours flying around 
about everything, but my para-supporting friend decided to think it was funny to send me a message that Trent Barrett was interested in Matt Moylan, Aaron Woods, and Josh Dugan. So I didn't really investigate whether that was Is true that true? Or not. I hope not. Is that true? I don't know. I just thought, I hope not. I don't want to know. If it is, I'm, let's just say your rant last week, that'll be me. No. <laughs> We've had a lot of feedback. You, you guys enjoyed angry tea last week, so... <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, it was, Irra- it was it irrational was, tea. Irrational tea. So, so that brings us to the first game of week two, week three of the finals. Um, the Roosters week two of the finals. The Roosters Canberra first. The Canberra got up twenty two eighteen. A couple of things from my side on this game. The Viking clap. This was a home game for the Roosters. Why did they allow this to happen? I don't. I don't get why you would give them that advantage. It's the NRL. You're so you're so football orientated, as in soccer orientated, that you're like, you know, we'd burn the stadium down if they allowed the away fans to do that stuff. But the NRL's a little bit more of a um, egalitarian fan supporting experience. Not if you're an eel supporter, mate. I don't understand the Viking <laughs> clap. So it's great theatre. Great theatre, though. It is great theatre. But are they going to do it at every ground they go to now? Are they going to do it before Origin? Canberra's not even playing. Origin Adelaide, they're going to do the Viking Club. I mean, where well. does this end? May where does well. this end? Well, Not every game's a home game, Canberra. Every second forward has a beard. So, you know, why not? I think, it's, I think it's the look now. I think it's the look. So the Raiders got out to a 16-0 lead. First try to Josh Papali. Um, and, and Kiri obviously knocked himself out on that play. This boded poorly for Canberra when Josh Papali went through Waria Hargraves and Taki Iho to score. Right through the guts, right through the Roosters' guts, right? And then they lost Luke Keary. Trent Robertson had to switch Joey Manu to the left. And the Ra- Raiders then feasted on the carcass of a reshuffled backline. Um, and Kyle Flanagan was found wanting in defence and attack during the game. He had poor kicks, bad execution, passes hit the ground a lot. Um, he They lost their way with the play calling when Luke Keary was getting his HIA. It was clear that that Flanagan isn't the play caller. So they had a lot of scrambled last tackle sets. They went to the wrong position on the field. That was about as worse a game from a halfback. You know, the lights were really on Kyle Flanagan there and he, he, did, he didn't do himself any any justice during that game, in my opinion. The defence by Cordner and Kiri on Joey Tapanay's try was terrible. It was a lot of arm grabbing. Boyd Cordner's missed a lot of tackles this year. I know he made it to origin. Um, I'll tell you who won't be in origin, Kyle Flanagan, with his defence. <laughs> He's a rookie. Canberra dominated in the forwards. Josh Papali and Joey Tapanay just ran over the top of Jared Warrior Hargraves and the other forwards um, for the Roosters. I thought when Sonny Bill came on, he gave them something different. He, those offloads through the ruck and they got a try at the end through that. Um, but what this showed me this game was that they, the Roosters really missed Victor Radley. I mean, he's a, he's younger, he's got energy, he gives them something different through the middle of the ruck. Joey Tapanay, they, they, they basically played him as a prop at the start of this game, and, and he was amazing, right? So that Raiders right edge can be get out. Um, but without Latrell Mitchell, and why I'm mentioning Latrell Mitchell is because we're going to talk a little bit about the Morris boys in this game. But Latrell Mitchell was that game breaker on the left edge, and Canberra defends... Their, their worst defensive side is their right defensive side, and it made all the difference in the grand final last year. And they just missed a little bit of that speed on the edges of this, this, this game. Never write off a champion. The Roosters won the game 18-2 in the last 58 minutes. So um, if Canberra do that against Melbourne, they'll get toweled up. 
But Manu Tedesco and Angus Crichton were immense for the Roosters. Poor Jimmy Tedesco got wrong-footed on that. Yeah, I mean, what do you do about that? That was just a, a total wrong turn. He had it covered, and all of a sudden, it just takes a right-angle break. And, you know, those things happen rarely nowadays. But, you know, there's nothing you could do about it. It was a bit ironic, right? Tedesco and Gutho were, were one of their team's best, best players. In Gutho's case, probably our best player. They both made those errors that led directly to tries, right? It, in, a, in attack, I think the Roosters really lack speed, as I mentioned earlier, particularly on the edges. Josh Morris and Brett Morris would have scored some of those tries. They would have made, they would have scored some of those breaks on their own five years ago. So that's the difference a Latrell Mitchell makes. That's the that's the difference. That extra fifteen yards is the difference of speed a bit of youth makes. But my, in my opinion, the Raiders need to go up a level if, level if they want to beat the Storm. Otherwise, if they play like they did against the Roosters, I think I think Melbourne will will win the game. What did you see in this game? Very similar. Um, I think you know Papali's try at the start surprised me, and the fact that he did go through Takiaho and Waria Hargraves, you, you know the the Roosters forward leaders and have led them to two comps in a row, and to be a contender year after year. I was actually surprised how easy he went through. And at the start of the game... Well, he's the he's he, along with Junior Paulo, he's the best prop in the game at the moment, aren't they? I mean, aren't they the two best props in the game? Well, he is. The funny thing is, Papali is playing less, but having more impact than he used to being in the back row, you know, so... Maybe maybe James Fisher-Harris is the other one. But they'd be the three. They would be. You know, and then the unluckiness of his head bouncing up and hitting Kiri and sort of half-knocking him out. I mean... Am I the only one that thought he was concussed and they tried to get him back on the field? I mean, is that wrong of me to think like that? No, I think... You know, in the semis, you've got a warrior mentality. That's what rugby league's always been like. And I think the move towards a HIA has been sensational, but... Well, I agree. I think there's no... there's no, um, You know, you, we've, we've got to start taking those types of things very seriously. So, yeah. So, I mean, but that was such an unlucky thing. But it wasn't a good sign. And I just felt like you, the Roosters sort of... Were just, they were always in the game, but they were just lacking something. They were just a little bit off. I mean, they were just always close, like Manu reaching out and being centimetres away after it was down 6-0, and then all of a sudden you had... Joey Manu was fantastic. I said when we were doing our team of the year, I think he's the best centre in the world, but he wasn't my Dally M, if you like, or, or centre of the year. I mean, if you noticed, and we were texting during this game, the, the Roosters, the Canberra Raiders constantly attacked through the side that Joey Manu wasn't on. And, and defensively, he's excellent. That one-handed dummy for the try... Oh, that yeah, was that was that was sensational, right? Fantastic. And you got the um, Tarpanay's try. It was almost like he was playing at a different speed to the Roosters, which I'm not used to seeing. And I found that. But there was arm grabs. There were arm grabs. Boyd Cordner missed him. Luke Kiry couldn't hold on. Kiry, I mean, Cordner, Morris. I thought Josh Morris looked. I mean, other than that kick, the one kick that he's kicked accurately in the last twenty years. Um, other than that kick, I didn't think he had a great game. And I think age caught up. Like they, it, was, it was almost like he aged in my in front of my eyes. And I was going to say, I thought to me, like that Tarpane try, it just looked hungrier, younger, more determined. And as much as I hate to say I love the Roosters, they're, they're so good, but they looked a bit old. You know, just a, slightly off the pace. And they are a very experienced team. They've got into the grand final two years in a row. Thing. And I mean, I thought Canberra were very lucky in the end to win. They got out to that 16-0 lead. I thought they worked really hard. They slid across in defence and really helped each other out, but... How much were they trying to game-manage it, though? Just kicking it into the corners, trying to slow the game down. I think they put the cue in the rack a little bit. And I think... And they did it just enough. They still won the game, but you do that against the Storm, and they're going to be behind by 20, 20, 30, 25 points. The Storm have got speed to burn that 
the Roosters don't have. And that's the thing. Like, I think the Roosters have speed, but now they're at right at the elite end of the season where everyone's got a good side. They were just missing a tiny bit. You know what? You know what? I was thinking about the Roosters, and I think it's a little bit the same with Parramatta. I think this roster was pulled together for the old rules. Yeah, and what I mean by that is is the rucks were slower. Speed wasn't as critical a and footwork and youth and energy wasn't as an important a character important as characteristic as it is now. If you look at the Panthers, if you look at Canberra, if you look at Melbourne with Pappenhausen, you know, I just think I just think that youth and enthusiasm is really important. Corey Allen even it's for Souths, right? And I just think Parramatta and the Roosters were built as hardheads. For the old rules, which were a bit slower. A little bit slower, yeah. I agree with that. Uh, there needs to be a change at both teams. Not not wholesale. I'm not saying start again, but but uh, they do need a one or two extra players. They do. And, you, you know, you've heard me rave on about speed and acceleration the whole, the whole season. And that's only because I think teams are very good at defending and the rules have helped. So when you get an opportunity, you need that speed to take advantage of it when you get that half chance. And if you don't, you generally get run down. I thought Sonny Bill was fantastic. He came on. I think for someone that's 35 years old and to actually be able to get down and hit guys low and actually drive them into the ground, his agility is incredible at that age. And I thought he added something really different, but I didn't think the Roosters played off him very well, if that makes sense. Like well, it was what we said. It was what we, Remember when he first came in? That's He had to build up to it with his fitness. But all those people that said, oh, he hasn't got it anymore, that, that, that was a semi-final, grand final replay. And I think he may have been the Roosters' best forward when he was out there, I right? For so. the forty yeah, odd minutes I that he was so. out there, I think so. It's something. It's something different. You don't see a lot of offloads through the middle. No. And Junior, Junior Paulo's been doing a bit of it, and now Sonny's doing a bit of it. But he's he's a little bit of a different style. And and I think, you, you know, I do think there's a role for that. It's not something you see every day. It's not, and I think it added. You could see it added di- a different point of attack for them but well it gave them second phase play it, it gave the roosters second phase play and they had none other than that no and they're quite static and that's what i was surprised about the roosters you could see him offload but they weren't running in numbers as intensely I, th- I thought a lot of the time they were actually running they were put together some good players but then run one out and canberra's defense was you know i mean running hard but canberra's defense was tough enough to hang on and you know um manu's trial like you said with 20 minutes to go Made it 16-12. I thought the Roosters were going to come home because Canberra, I thought, like you said, took the foot off the pedal and too early. And I thought they could have blown the Roosters away. I really, I think they did. And they tried to game manage it. And I thought it was going to come back to bite them in the arse. And then that kick, well, I thought Canberra, that was kind of the only thing they did in the second half. But it's Wyden, right? Wyden was there before anybody else. No one was within 10 metres. And Wyden was already there just honing in on that grubber straight away. So... Um, and, and I, I mean, they don't they don't play. get that they don't get that try. They they don't get the game. I don't think so. I think that try won them. The, I thought the Roosters were going to finish them off towards the end and be lucky to win. But Canberra had the Roosters there and couldn't put their their foot on their neck, so to speak. You know, or as my dad used to, you know, kill the chickens in the backyard. They couldn't kill kill, kill them off. So, guys, what you're seeing now <laughs> is a deep insight into the psychology of G, and it's a bit like um. It, you know, the clown from It, the, when, the more you get into the psychology, the darker a place it is. So, <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Pennyworth or whatever his name is, um, yeah. Pennyworth. Doesn't he play the centres in the centres for the Broncos? Oh, that's Farnworth. <laughs> that is the worst <laughs> joke ever. Oh, God. 
you know, and I thought the Roosters, when they put together that play to get Josh Morris in the clear right at the end, the nickel clocks that just got him. And like you said, you put that probably... He didn't have the pace. He didn't have the pace anymore. And it's split-second stuff, right? Brett Morris in the first half. Last Correct. year, he probably scores that try, but just that split-second, he got caught. So, But I think the Roosters go over there and they win the game. Latrell was a big out for them. Latrell... They win that game if Latrell's playing for the Roosters. I don't know. They just looked slightly off the... Like, everything was close. They were close to scoring. They almost got over, and they just couldn't do it. I think Canberra was as enthusiastic, and they toughed it out. They were lucky to win, but the Roosters weren't right. I think the Roosters, if they had that little bit of extra pace or tempo, I think they, they beat Canberra. But, you know, Canberra hung on. They blew them away at the beginning. Should have kept it going and got lucky in the end, I think. Maybe it's just, you know, three long seasons, mate. So maybe they just need... Well, it's more than that. It's 10 long seasons. <laughs> so maybe next year they actually come back just as good, if not better, but... Well, they got a lot of injuries too. they got a lot of injuries as well. They're, they're... Sam Verrills, Victor Radley adds a lot to that team. He's young and speedy through the middle. He is. Victor Radley is their Cameron Murray. That speed yeah, and enthusiasm through the middle is always around the ball. He adds. He gives their their offense a bit more spark. So, and I think they actually miss that now. I think they could beat most of the other teams because they're so good and well drilled. But now, and maybe that game against South just knocked their confidence because they were. I don't know. They looked like they were really good, and that seemed to do something to their belief. I think. To some degree. Yeah. You know, so Canberra, I thought lucky to win, to be honest. Gritty performance, toughed it out, but... They're a tough side. They're a tough side, the Raiders. And so that bodes well at this time of year, although none of the games have been low scoring. So so semi-final football this year has been very different to previous years. So moving along to Saturday, I was out for a walk with my wife. Got a text message. (laughs) I got an email from the club that said... uh, Michael Jennings has been suspended because his A sample turned out to be positive. And as a Parramatta supporter, of course, what I thought about this was, of course, of course this was going to happen to us, something like this. So it did force a bit of a backline reshuffle. Brad Takarangi and George Jennings were already in the side. And I think Brad Takarangi was was going to play in the centres and George Jennings was going to replace Sivo. But I think what's happened now is forced into a reshuffle because Hayes Dunster, they got special dispensation from the NRL to bring Hayes Dunster into the side, which other than his dropped ball early in the first half, uh, he actually had a decent game. The Eels started slowly. In, oh, well, so for those of you that don't know the result, the Bunnies won. So on to next week. <laughs> so the Bunnies won 38-24. The Eels started slowly with the Rabbitohs dominating field position off the back of an error by Hayes Dunster and Sean Lane. Sean Lane had a really difficult night, didn't play great. And the first try for the Bunnies, Jackson Paulo scored it off a scrum. And all that happened was Souths attacked Parramatta's edge after Adam Reynolds took the ball from the base of the scrum and went right. And all we did, they had a four on three, is we just didn't number upright. So when you talk about one percenters, when you talk about, it was just a dumb play. I mean, that's why they got over us. If you look back at the try, it was four on three. It was. I, I just thought that that's where Takarangi now got caught out. Like, they kind of read he came in a little bit. and no, Because because the numbers, because that was four on three. He's a big guy, couldn't recover again. Takarangi defensively is fine. He's probably one of our, one of our better defenders. 
in the back line. But I'm loath to blame an individual there. That was just the, whoever was playing halfback for us at, in the defensive scrum didn't read the numbers right and didn't slide across. Yeah, not about blame. I just think, you know, he's, he's prop size. And I just think that you come at that type of player with speed, it created hesitation. And I thought that Robert Jennings came in. That little bit of hesitation just gave South a space on the outside for Jackson Pollard. But gee, they just, they just went through the hands. They did, I mean, yeah. four on three... And that's that was it. That was the try there. Then King Gutho probably put on the best ten minute show for Parramatta this this uh, this season. That was a fantastic five minutes. Junior Paulo went up the middle, put an offload, sent him over, got us back to eight six. Then Sean Lane. This is the one good thing Sean Lane did this game. Put him in. Put put him through a gap. He's very capable of that, Sean Lane. Like he so is. He is. He's rocks and diamonds. Drags in two or two or three people and great offload. But you need players trailing through to take advantage of him that way. But he, he makes a lot of errors too. So that's the rocks and diamonds part of it. Um, Gutho went, stepped the full back and did this amazing offload around the back to George Jennings um, to, to, to get us in front. And then finally he did his King Wally impersonation to get over for his for his second try. And and at that point we were up, that we went into halftime 18-8 up. You know, I was thinking perhaps our defence gets us over the line in this game. And it, and it really did because we only lost the second half 30 to 6. <laughs> I thought I was going to say, where are you going with this point? It's like, what? Yeah, no, it was excellent. Really, really gritty defense by us in the second half, particularly straight after half time with the Bunnies put on a couple of tries in the first 10 minutes. The first to Liam Knight after Dylan Brown was caught out of position. Uh, and then Adam Reynolds, who I thought had a spectacular game. We kept Cody Walker quite, but Adam Reynolds was excellent. Um, he put Campbell Graham through a hole who put Cam Murray over untouched. All of a sudden, 10 minutes into the second half, Souths are up 20 to 18. So 20 minutes to go. We're down two points. Junior Paulo takes a hit up, gets up to play the ball really quickly. Damian Cook comes out of nowhere as he's going to play the ball and tackles him. So, of course, with Asada and the referees being South supporters, <laughs> everyone could see that there needed to be a 10-minute sin bidding there, except the referee whose job it is to adjudicate on this. If I'm playing the ball and someone comes in and tackles me, that is a professional foul. Professional fouls are punished with 10 minutes in the bin. Despite that, we get the penalty. Souths remain with 13 players. It is, I reckon you could have kicked the goal. I would have. I might have torn my hamstring afterwards, but from, look, from 10 yards in, 10 metres in. Well, it wasn't 10 metres in. It was 10 metres to the side of the post. It wasn't even 10 metres in. I could knock those over. It's not hard. I've seen you kick a football. I'm not confident on that assertion. <laughs> I'm going back 20 years ago, but like my leg might go over with the ball. That's okay at this age. I've seen you kick a soccer ball, and I'm, I'm not sure you can even get a soccer ball airborne. <laughs> can we move on, please? This is getting a little bit personal. So it hit the post, and then Paul Kent and people come out and say, oh, this is why Para lose. It's all the one percenters. Why weren't they expecting that? And st-? Because he kicks that 999 times out of a 1,000. It wasn't them being sloppy at all. It was just he should have kicked the goal, and we shouldn't make excuses for what happened afterwards. Jackson Paulo got the ball, went down the other end, Goes up the other end. Gutho spills Damien Cook's crappy grubber and South score. And then it was a crappy grubber. He set up the try that sent them in front. He should have been in the sin bin. Dropped it onto his knee. It wasn't even a... It was an attempt at a grubber. It was a crappy grubber. 
and and then we and then we chased the game from then on, and we played. Damien Cook had a field day in the last twenty minutes. Gutho and Junior Paulo were fantastic for us. They have been all season. They've been our two best players all season, and they backed it up in this semi final. Damien Cook had a had a great day. Jackson Paulo's best game I thought that I've seen him play for the Bunnies, and Adam Reynolds was was great for Souths. The other player who didn't have. A horrible game, and given the grief I've given him this season, I need to mention his Wonga Blake. He didn't have a horrible game, but it was clear his confidence was down. Uh, G, I want to give you, you know, 10 or 15 seconds on this game. You don't want to hear anything, do you? No, no, I'm very disappointed. It was great to see Hayes Dunster. You know, I'm a big fan of great names, fantastic name. Um, get a start like you. I thought he did all right. You know, he he was a bit nervous. I thought he did too. He was nervous at the beginning, but he he looked the goods. Um, you know, South, like you say, were off to a fast start. I, I thought, like I said, with the scrum play, Takarangi had to try and cover numbers, but then, you know, being a big unit, his turning circle takes that split second longer and, and they kind of brought the winger in as a result. And South, were, you know, scored pretty easily. But then from there on in, I mean, you're talking about, you know, being 8-0 up with 16 minutes to go before half time, and it seriously just turned into the Gutherson show. Within five minutes, it was 18-8, and Parra was ahead. Oh, yeah, he was he fantastic. Lit. He was fantastic. In rugby league, it's hard because it's such a team sport, and other than some of the you know stuff that Jared Hayden used to do, he just took over the game, literally, with the help of others, but by himself. I mean, that second try was sensational. The step and drawing the two guys and around the corner pass, I mean, that was, as a fan, that was just awesome to see. Like, it was great to And he's watch. not quick. He's not fast. He isn't. But he always plays quick. He always hits the ball when he's moving. So he doesn't have to I think he's a smart player. I think he's a smart player. And that's what we're lacking a little bit of. I I just think that, and we're going to talk a little bit about Mitchell Moses. I mean, I've said to you before, I don't think we can win a premiership with him because I think the way he's been playing, he was a very instinctive player when he was at West Tigers. We tried to mould him into a game manager. And now he doesn't know what his game is. And as a result of that... I think his game doesn't stand up in the big moments under pressure. I don't know whether you can win with with a halfback like that. I think you can. I just think that he needs to play. Everyone's trying to get him to a game manager, and it, it goes against some of his instinct. And like you say, I think he's been caught in between. So we can talk about him a bit later. So as a result, when the pressure's on, he doesn't know what he is. He's half trying to game manage and half trying to be instinctive and take advantage of what he sees. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I think he gets caught in between. Sometimes he's instinctive and other times he probably sees something and thinks he's got to game manage. So I think what's happening is you're losing. he's losing his own essence. He's not playing true to himself. And I think that makes a big difference for players like that. I think Ash Taylor is another example of that. You've got to give him a bit of rain and not put this. You've got to game manage everything. He's not that type of player. I find Dylan Brown manages the game a little bit better in that he plays a bit more like that. For me, Para, I thought Dylan Brown looked hampered quite a bit. You know what I liked about Dylan Brown's game? He rose to the occasion. Did he make mistakes? Yes. Did he have a bad read or two in defense? Of course he did, but his tackling was, he tried hard. And in the absence of Mitchell Moses taking the game by the neck, he tried to take the game by the neck. And so what that showed me was a half, forget about the execution and the mistakes, attitudinally rising to the occasion, trying to rise to to take on the challenge. Whereas I think, particularly after he hit the post, I think Mitchell Moses was nowhere. I mean, that that last try off Damien Cook, right? He did the little kick and then he turned to complain to the ref and then they went the other end and, 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 and scored, right? And so I just think there's things like that that I'm not sure 
It's it's between the ears with Mitchell Moses. Yeah, frustration, right? He's a very passionate player. He can be a bit niggly and you know whiny, but I, I like Mitchell Moses. But he his passion sometimes, you know, that's how he is. That's what makes him good. But I think they're trying to temper that and change the way he's playing. He's not Cooper Cronk. Do you know what I mean? If Cooper Cronk sits there and goes, "Oh, I want him to play like me." He's not you. He's a different player, you know. And I think that that in the when the pressure's on, I think I find he doesn't know who he is anymore. And I think that's starting to impact his game. For me, I thought, look, the second half, I thought Para, not the one percenters, I thought Para's one percenters kept them in the game for a long time. South dominated the ball. I mean, you take out that five-minute period from Gutherson to swing that game. South dominated that game. They, they were a little bit flat at times when they come out of, out of the half-time break. And I thought, you know, Damian Cook started to run it, run riot more. Well, I, we were chasing the game too. And I, and I think, I, I, just on the Mitchell Moses point, I think our grand, if we're going to win a grand final, I think our grand final winning halfback is Jake Arthur. I don't even know what he looks like, so I just I would just agree with you. You notice this is the difference between your analysis and my analysis. Your <laughs> your your first reaction is I don't know what he looks like, based on your men of league calendar and your stalking. Oh, of history. course, yeah. If if he's not a good looking guy, you can't win with good looking guys, right? They're, they're too protective of their looks. <laughs> they they are. They, are. they don't <laughs> want to get injured. Ryan Madison's in trouble then. Hey, how did how did Ryan Madison make your men of league? Oh, he will. I'm going to reveal the full 18 next week, so he probably will. Jack Whiten okay, will probably excellent. get a mention too, just quietly. But what? Oh, you know, it's just it's that all that power team. You know, what can you do? But honestly, you know, look, momentum wise, I thought South were dominating for a while. They got ahead, and I thought the Reynolds try was quite soft. To be honest, the Cam Murray try. I thought Reynolds created a gap without really hitting the ball at top speed or doing anything. Well, for me though, that for me that was the backline reshuffle though. You know, they know how to play with each other. For those of you, if you can hear anything, that was G's cat on his keyboard. <laughs> She's making a guest appearance here every week. So um... that was the that was the backline reshuffle, right? And so I just think where to for the Eels? I'm going to ask you the same question for the Roosters. Where where to for the Eels? I think we'll have a bit of money to spend if Je- if Jennings is out. So. I think I think we need some speed in the back line. I, uh, without a doubt, and I think that's why you've got Wanga Blake there. We've we've got some big bodies, but I'm not sure we've got speed. Or not out and out speed. I think you persist with Dylan Brown and I think I think the forwards are fine. You know, I think we need depth. We need we need a backup hooker, because once Reed Marnie's out, we're stuffed. So we need a backup hooker, we need a stronger bench and we need some speed out wide. And we probably need Mitchell Moses to take another step up. I don't think you get rid of Mitchell Moses yet, but he's he's got two he's got two more years at Parramatta, and at that he's played. He was 150th game was on the weekend, so if he plays all the games, he'll be up around that 200 game mark. It's a lot of games to have not to be a starting halfback and not won anything. So so his career at that point could go to bottom eight clubs, helping them out. Type career. Hello, Mitchell. I, I believe um, Belmore has an opening. I don't think he could stoop that low. <laughs> Great. I think that, you know what, it did make me laugh talking to you last week and hearing you rant about being an Eels supporter, but that whole one minute of play summed up the Eels. A gimme that, honestly, no, I would have kicked that, right? Hits the post. It goes to, and bounces at an angle that is far away from everybody. Jackson Paulo runs. 70 metres down the other end. Damien Cook does the worst knee knee grubber, nubber, we like to call it. He, he tried to do a grubber. It hits his knee because he drops A nubber. And then Gutherson covers it 
And then he flies up in the air straight to Paddy Sheeran's hands and he scores. Instead of being 20 apiece, you end up being down by eight, a two-score game. And I think from there, it was game over. And But look, I think Moses' head dropped after that. He lost, his confidence went down a little did. bit. I think he feels a lot of responsibility. But the halfback owns the result, as Ricky Stewart said. The halfback owns the result. Yeah, look, I... Look, I don't know. Maybe I don't agree with you. You're that. a half in the NRL. It comes with the territory. The halfback owns the result. Hey, you look at state of origin, right? As an yep. example. Queensland was whipping New South Wales for so long. Who were the halves that won New South Wales this oh, year? Oh, Hodgkinson back? and Josh Josh Reynolds. Yeah. Would you have counted Hodgkinson and Josh Reynolds as the best halves in the... Yeah, but origin's, origin's different to club footy as well. Origin's less structured. It's higher intensity. It is, yeah. You know why the halfback owns the result? It's not because of the way they play. It's because they're the play caller. They're like the quarterback. All right, guys, we're going to do two setups through the middle, and then we're going to switch it right and then go long left. We're going to bomb to the corner. That's all on the halfback. Those calls are all on the half. It's not because of whether they broke the line, did an offload. It's not that. Now, the very best halfbacks can do both. They can break the game open themselves with the way they run or the way they kick or whatever else, But and they also organise the team. But he's neither. He's either 100% organising the team or he's 100% playing instinctively. He needs to find yeah. a way to adapt his game because he's got all the... It's, that's why I say it's between the ears. He's got all the skill set there. It's in the toolbox. He's just got to pull out the right tool for the right moment in the game. And the problem with Mitchell Moses is his personality means that he's overplaying his hand constantly. I think it's partly his competitiveness and he really wants to win. I actually like his passion. I just think, you know what? I think he needs to be managed a bit differently. I think Brad Arthur's been good for him. But I also think, you look at Nathan Cleary, right? You listen to a lot of the stuff he said. And he said, I've stopped worrying about what everyone else thinks and I just play my game. I know he's a different player, but he's also quite instinctive. You know, but now you can just see him, he's playing with a bit more freedom. And I think that's what Mitch Moses is missing. He's a different player to what he was before, and I think they're trying to make him into a player that he's not. And I think that's where the struggle is. I also think that Brad Arthur's a very much an old-school coach, so I think I think this off-season, I think they are going to try and, I suppose, modernise the coaching setup there a little bit with mental health and all that sort of stuff. So... Um, I hope that makes a difference because I do think some of this is between the years. I think talent levels were nearly there. You know, we've had, what have we had? Fifth, fourth, third, and 16th in the last four years in no particular order. We're there or thereabouts, but to get it over the line, yes, there's some roster moves and those types of things we can do, but the biggest leap we can make is between our ears. We just need to play smarter football. How many times this year when we've been losing have I said to you, it's just dumb. It's, we're just doing dumb stuff. That's why I used to say they're hot and cold because they're an emotional. No, they, we need to do an IQ test before you come into first grade. <laughs> well, look, for me, I thought, look, South, I think, continued their scoring run. They seem to be scoring points very easily. But to me, they also were, were helped by Parramatta having to reshuffle and being a little bit slower in the back line. I think if they play a fast side, I think South will well, well, they're playing the fastest side in the comp next week, South. And I think we'll, we'll discuss that when we preview the games and I'll... You know, with the Michael Jennings news, it couldn't get any worse. And it did. And it did. It couldn't couldn't get any worse. And then we hit the post. They went up the other end and we capitulated from a, from that point. After we were up 18-8 at halftime. Yeah, it could get worse. Yeah, a, a drug charge. Yeah, a drug charge. Oh, I mean, what what else can go wrong this year? What a year 2020's been. <laughs> it's still a few months to go. A lot. The experience of the first eight months, nine months. So, But look, I thought South 
Souths are hard. They, they seem to be able to score points at will. Not the, the one positive for me about Souths was Cody Walker was quiet. They still put on over 30. A lot of it came after the goal kick. I'm not sure their attack has looked as good the last two weeks. Once the once Paris heads dropped, it was downhill skiing. I'm not sure Penrith give them that. I'm not sure it's going to be as easy to score on Penrith. They won't. Damian Cook is starting to attack more. And he's, he's looking a lot more dangerous from dummy half. And it gives them a lot more momentum. So that's helped them a lot. But um, Eels fans, I think I had more faith in the Eels than Eels fans. But... Um, you know, a, a bit of a frustrating season, but a good one still. They're still up there. Oh, thanks, Canterbury supporter. How about you keep your frustrations to yourself? I've had to. I got. Oh, well, that's just been my default state every week. It's a bit frustrating for Eels fans. No, we're happy, buddy. We're nearly there. You know what? I think that period of time where we looked like the best team in the comp, we were playing above ourselves. That wasn't our normal level of performance. We did talk about them looking ultra sharp at the beginning, coming out of COVID. And I think they were fitter than a lot of other teams. Wayne Bennett said something interesting about Souths. He said, um, you can run your race too early. And once you drop form, it's very hard to get it back. Unless you drop form in the middle of the season and give yourself enough time. But if you drop form towards the end of the season, which is what happened to the Roosters and Parramatta, it's really hard to recover that. And so... I think there is something next year about the training loads and how you do it. You've got to remember they had that gap between round two and round three and all that sort of stuff. So, And, and they did come out sharp. So I reckon Brad Arthur put a lot of run in their legs earlier than a lot of the other teams. I mean, other than Joe, um, Junior Paulo, they're actually all lean and really fit as a side. Like they're, they're in really good shape, the whole team. So, you know, they maybe that was why they started so fast, like you said, whereas half the other teams, you know, half the players were unfit, lacking match fitness. So it'll be interesting to see how we go. All right. Okay, so the Bunnies move on to play the Panthers this week in the grand final qualifiers. Uh, the footy in these games is usually excellent. We're down to the best four teams in the comp. The first game on the Friday night, I believe it is, it's, it's the Storm versus the Raiders. This is in Queensland. No Raiders supporters can go to Queensland because, um, of course, they keep out of Queensland. So the Storm are $1.47 favourites and the Raiders are $2.75. The Raiders have a six-point start on Sportsbet. G, I think this is going to be a cracker. Who's going to get this? Who's going to get the chocolates? Who's into the grand final first? Canberra were gritty and tough and really committed against the Roosters, but I also felt the Roosters carved them apart a fair bit but didn't quite have that speed to quite finish them off. I think Melbourne is going to beat them by 20. And the reason is, is Pappenheisen, Addo Carr, and should I say Brinko Lee? <laughs> but um, look, I just think that Melbourne will be incisive with their play, but the difference is they have the speed to finish those moves off and they have players that are faster than Canberra and Canberra's not going to be able to cover the same gaps that they did against Melbourne. I think the one difference for Canberra, and I think for me what is what is important, is Whiten, you know, is going to have a big game. He'll be immense. I think he's been like that now for a few months. Is George Williams does give them someone else, another half that can run, that can kick, and then that can play off. And I think that makes a big difference. For me, though, I don't think Canberra has the pace to beat Melbourne. I think Melbourne's defence will cover any breaks that they make. You know, Nickel Klockstad... Kotrick, I don't know what they've done with Kotrick, but that guy was making breaks and running 90 metres three years ago, and now he can't. He makes a bus and he's tackled within 15 metres. They, they, they're powerful, Canberra, but I don't think that works against Melbourne. You've got Asafa Solomona, you've got you know, Big Tino, you've got Kenny Bromwich, um, Jesse Bromwich, power for power. I think Melbourne's got matches them quite well. 
but I don't think Canberra quite has the pace to beat them. I think one thing to really watch out for too is that whole White and Croker versus Brinko Lee matchup. Yeah, that's right. So if they win, so a couple of things. That's where they win the game. On Branko Lee is right side. Melbourne are really vulnerable there. Um, so, so, but I don't think this is. If Canberra win, this is not a high-scoring game. It's like the Roosters game. It's twenty-two eighteen. It's something like that. If Melbourne get to thirty points, i.e., it's a free-flowing game, and Melbourne puts on four or five tries, I, I can't see them breaking open Melbourne enough to to win the game. Having said that, that right edge of Melbourne is really vulnerable. Is really, really vulnerable. Like you say, it's very vulnerable, but that's where Whiten is so strong with his running game as well. So that matchup works quite well in Canberra's favour. This stuff with the power game through the middle with Parley, it's not going to work against Melbourne. It just won't. And I thought the, the Roosters were a little bit off the pace. They looked tired and a little bit, you know, jaded. I thought the Roosters to some degree. And I'm surprised. But I don't think Melbourne will be. I think Melbourne's refreshed. They've rested up. They're a fast team in general. They play fast, but they've got the speed to beat them. And also, you've got Flanagan and Jerome Hughes. Big difference. You know, Jerome Hughes has been... Yeah, that's a big difference. That's a big difference. Well, that's the other thing, right? If if Cam Munster is not fit, or if he's hobbling around on one leg, you know, that that is enough for me to swing... that could swing this game. They lose a lot with Cam Munster. They do, and I think it's his ability to bustle. Hustle and bustle. You know, like he's just an old school footy player. If I look at Nico Hines, Nico Hines can make breaks and has got a great passing game, but doesn't quite have that ability to just bust out of tackles and sort of, you know, hurdle a player or do something kind of a bit old school like that Munster does. But I think in attack with Nico Hines, I don't think they lose that much that much in the passing game because Nico Hines has got great hands and great ability to pass the ball. So honestly, I can't see them unless Whiten absolutely towers up Brenko Lee. Um, I can't see them beating Melbourne. You know, the Roosters cut them apart a little bit, but if you've got Olam and Rapana, that's a good matchup. But then you've got Addo Carr and Pappenheisen always attacking that, that side of the field. If they make a break, they're gone. They're scoring. You know, they were able to run, slide across and cut the Roosters off. That won't happen against Melbourne. And I just think the Raiders, despite blowing the Roosters away at the beginning, put the cue in the rack and we're very lucky to win the game. Their, their desperation won them the game, but you know, a lucky bounce here or there, and they lose. So I and I didn't think the Roosters were that great either. So, and I just think Melbourne will. I thought Melbourne were great against Parramatta. I thought Parramatta really tried hard, but Melbourne were too good. Yeah, Melbourne. Melbourne look look the goods. I, I agree with you. I think Melbourne will win this. I think it can, if Canberra wins, I think Canberra wins in a close one. If Melbourne win, I think Melbourne could tell. Yeah, I think um, one opportunity sometimes, you know, we always talk about in the pressure games, referees are sometimes a bit reluctant to make big calls, which is to be... You mean like sin-bidding someone who tackled a player who was about to play the ball? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Because it's, a you know, the pressure's there, it's a big call. So they tend to let the game flow a little bit, which probably helps Melbourne and their WWE re- wrestling gang. But well, they 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 slowed us right down. Our play of the ball was nearly four seconds in that in that. But it also helps the Raiders. They're a bigger side, you know, and they hustle and bustle, and they can kind of like sort of, I think, niggle Melbourne a little bit. Did you look up hustle and pu- hustle and bustle in the? Dictionary this week. Is that why? I think both of us have got some words this week. What about you? Cutting the carcass, you know, picking the carcass off, reading about vultures. Well, it's just the first. I only mentioned it once. I mean, you're hustling and bustling all day long. 
You like Tootsie? Oh my god, geez! No, I think it's watching the you know the NBA. It's kind of a very American term. But well, we'll talk about the NBA in segment three. I think the niggle might help Canberra a little bit because it slows the game down. Their big guys can recover a bit, but honestly, can't see them beating Melbourne. I think Melbourne will win and win easily. No, oh, okay. So I think we're both tipping the Storm in that game. So the second one on the Saturday night is the Panthers versus the Bunnies. The, the the line and the odds on this are exactly the same. Actually, doing this week in, week out, you do... This is why Bill Simmons and Ryan Rossillo can do this. Not Ryan Rossillo, um, Cousin Sal can do the line every week. There is a consistency to the way these betting agencies do this stuff. So $1.47 for the Panthers. The Bunnies are $2.75. Exactly the same odds as the Storm Raiders game. And the line is exactly the same. The Bunnies get a six-point start. So in this game... I cannot see the Panthers losing. No matter which way I look at this game, I unless Nathan Cleary gets injured, but even then, if Nathan Cleary gets injured, they got Matt Burton. Now, I don't know whether he'll be named in the 17, but I just cannot see how the Panthers lose this game. Unless they get stage fright. That's the only thing I can see them see happening to them. The Panthers will win by 20-plus. Okay, thanks for your in-depth review once again of the... For me, this game is South have... I mean, they were brilliant against... The Roosters and Cody Walker had one of those games that was just incredible. But the whole thing was it was that danger of Alex Johnson on the wing. And they're they're not a far side South. They're not. But they can play with a bit of momentum, right? But the thing is, Penrith is incredibly athletic. They're big, they're powerful, they're fast. And I can't see them. And they're enthusiastic and play with determination. So even if South makes a break, Campbell Graham's not running past anybody. If he beats Stephen Crichton, Crichton will run him down. You know, and and I think Kurt Capewell, they're going to miss Kikau on the edge. He doesn't draw the same attention in defense. But the thing is, Capewell is still a pretty big mobile back rower that plays hard. Decent player too. I mean, he's not going to be the same type of player, but he's going to give them more consistency on that left edge. He's going to miss less tackles. You know, what, what the difference between Kurt Capewell and Valemi Kikau is Kikau's more talented, so you get and more inconsistent. You get more of the highs and the lows with Kikau, whereas Capewell will be a more consistent Mitchell, but not Mitchell, that's selling him short a little bit, but just more a consistent player. You know, I look against Para and I thought Para hung in and hung in and they stopped them and then some, they almost run out of energy a little bit. And they struggle to score against Parra in a higher-intensity game, and I can't see them beating Panthers. I don't think their attack is fast enough to beat them. The only way I can see Souths winning is if Cody Walker has another unbelievable game. Blinder. And they get field position. Like, like it's penalties, six against. They're camped inside the other side. That's the only way I can see them winning this game. If they're, if they're, up, if they're up 18-6, if Souths are up 18-6 with 20 to go... I think the Panthers will run them down. I think Naden and To'o, they're not weak, but you know sometimes they can hesitate a little bit more in defence. No, but what I'm saying to you is Panthers have plenty of points in them. Another A key matchup for me in this game too, um, T, is Luai and Murray. Murray defends there just on the, le- on the right-hand side, on the fringe, and that's where Luai creates space, that ability to step inside. And I think Murray shuts that down a bit because he's so mobile and enthusiastic. So, yeah, but they're not going to go for Murray, are they? They're going to get Luai on Cody Walker. They will, but, but the thing is, I think it's that ability to step inside and out. South might have a little bit more confidence in Murray's defense not to cheat a little bit watching Luai. That's right. I think that analysis is right. But I, I don't. I think they'll run plays to try and get him a little bit wider. They probably will. But yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't think. I think Cam Murray's a very mobile. Yeah, it, defender. it makes a big difference, and you see some of these defenders on the fringe when they can sort of cover. I suppose what they call in the NFL a two-gap tackle. 
is that means you can cover a gap and a gap across because of your agility. Cameron Murray is very much like that. So, But I just can't see him. Like Campbell Graham is a great player, but the thing is he's also up. He's got great height, but guess what? He's up against someone that's 6'3", and he's faster and better on his feet and has just as good hands as he does. So that negates their height advantage there. Um, Toto is... Well, and and, and and the reason why I think... Oh, look, not, it's not just height advantage. They don't know what they don't know, the Panthers. So if they don't get stage fright, they're just young kids. They're going to go out there and throw everything at them, right? So I think if Penrith gets stage fright, it's going to be in the grand final against Melbourne. I think they'll beat South and beat them easily. I think Cleary is just playing too well. Fisher-Harris, James Tamau, Coruscant gives them the same thrust that South has through the middle as well. So it's not necessarily an advantage. They're hustle and bustle, they're, right? They're, they're hustle and bustle, they are. They hustle and bustle. Um, not really. They're just a machine. They're an athletic machine. and they're, A machine of hustle and bustle. No. They're actually almost like the culmination of let's get some athletes and teach them football, but these athletes can actually play football. So, oh, yeah, they're great. So I tell you what, Mel- Melbourne, Melbourne Panthers will be a great grand final, which is what we're both tipping. I don't even know if South will give them a game. I think they'll hang in a bit at the beginning, and I think Penrith will blow them away. I really do. 20-plus for me. That was a long way to get back to the same point I made. Hey, I said to you 20-plus at the start, and you said I need some in-depth analysis. So, Well, I mean, I just thought you were going to do your usual analysis and tell me who's good-looking and who's not. It's not Nathan Cleary. That's why he's such a good player. He puts his body on the line. <laughs> remember, when he's, remember, when he's, remember when his forehead blew up? Remember that? Like, there's, there's, Stephen Crichton, oh right. maybe. But that's why he probably misses tackles, see? Doesn't want to put his... They don't want to get... Yeah. Doesn't want to put his head in arms away. Moving on to segment three, which I thought we would cover very quickly. Uh, there's been big, big update in the world of sport over the last 24, 48 hours. The Lakers winning their tenth, their 17th championship, 12th since moving to LA. Uh, LeBron's fourth title, fourth finals MVP, first title since Kobe. Kobe and Gigi died this year, obviously. Um, there was uh, symbolism everywhere. It was fantastic. I'm a Lakers supporter, so it's finally great to see some someone I support. It was Liverpool last year, Lakers this year. Break a drought, so fantastic. I mean, what it does show me, though, and we've spoken about this a few times, is all the analysis of American sports we get here have a massive East Coast bias. So Boston, New York, the the Eastern conferences of these, these leagues in America get much more coverage because... That's where these sports stations are all based, G. Uh, what did you think of the Lakers getting up, despite what Bill Simmons and, and Zach Lowe and the ESPN crew say? I mean, not gonna see, but you're talking about LeBron, who's the chess master, really. He's not the grandmaster. And um, and then you've got, you know, Anthony Davis, who's... I mean, when, he, when he's angry, Anthony Davis, he's pretty much unplayable. Look, an athlete at 6'11", that's got, you know, hyper hops and like is like a pogo stick and can shoot and dribble. It's... um. It was almost like they were pacing themselves, you know, like LeBron to some degree. And just they turn it on, it's just too hard to beat. But you, you hear a lot about him. He's 35. I think what I find remarkable is he's 35. And other than not being able to jump as high because, you you know, you're just older, he's still unbelievable. Like he's not – he's slowed down a little bit physically, but he's not slowing down. His effectiveness is still um, incredible. And he's 35. Like that is, if you think about it, it's amazing. It's great to see. It's great to see a team win differently than Houston just chucking up throws. Like to play the maths, it's a probability, right? Yeah, that that's that's what was great about this. They played two bigs, well, more than two bigs. Sometimes when they went tall, they went really tall, right? With Dwight Howard or Javale McGee, 
and when they didn't want to play AD at center. So, you know, Caruso was fantastic. Playoff Rondo, love playoff Rondo. Just KCP came through clutch in a few games. Danny Green wasn't great for us this year. So he's been apparently he's been carrying an injury, so hopefully he comes back better next year. But I did want to give a shout-out to the Lakers. I, I know you did. That's But look, for me, what is interesting about the American sport is we're starting to get a little bit of this, um, I think, analysis from some of our media and that if you don't win, you're a loser type of thing. And, you know, you see LeBron, the pressure on LeBron. I mean, you can't win every year, but it's like everyone's just obsessed with this Michael Jordan thing where you've got to win every time and if you don't, you're a loser. It's like there's 16 teams in the NRL. There's 30 teams in the NBA. You can have a good season and not win. You know, you can give it your best shot. And you can see, like, give me the respect is his press conference. You know, it boils over. I mean, they're ham- hammered on social media, in the media, and it's constant now. You can't switch it off. You can't, oh, I'm not reading the paper or listening to the radio. It comes to you now. So there's this all-encompassing bubble of constant pressure and expectation. And I, honestly, I think it's good to see him, see him win. I like LeBron. He's a bit cheesy sometimes. I think he's a bit cheesy when you see him on TV. <laughs> you know, he works so hard, tries his best, looks after his teammates. I mean, you know, good on him. And so what does this mean for the Lakers for next year? Would they play it back? Golden State will be better with Curry and everyone back next year. Brooklyn with Kyrie and oh, KD. They'll end up fighting and blaming the coach who's Steve Nash. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll post some passive-aggressive shit on Instagram or whatever they've been doing. Well, KD will hammer him with his um, burner Twitter accounts, his fake Twitter accounts. This Steve Nash guy sucks. I think you run it back, right? They'll probably get a few veterans. Of course you run it back. You run it back, but I think you need... You need uh, Avery Bradley will be big back in. I mean, he opted out of the bubble because he's our best perimeter defender. I, I think we probably need we need more three and D guys on the wings, just so just so just in case we want to play small, it gives us the bit more optionality than we have now. Although you, you roll it back, right? I mean, everyone's a year older. Hopefully, they're doing it in front of crowds next year. But if LeBron if LeBron wings back to back with the Lakers. Let's just say, where does that cement his legacy? I mean, he's already in the top two, right? Look, you're probably, I mean, there's so much, so many variables. I just think like you probably have to say because of his age, the way he's looked after his body and he's basically consistency every single year. You know, in this era, he's the best player by a mile, you know, and and yes, he's athletically superior and an incredible once in a generation type of athlete, you know, but he's also... I mean, this decade, think of the last 10 years of the NBA. I think he's only missed the finals once. You know, the expectation's ridiculous. I mean, I think you'd probably say he's the best of all time, but who knows? I mean, the era's different. The game's different. The way players play are different. The depth of the league is different. You know, you look at um, someone like... And just, I don't know. I think the media is just looking for things to speak about. Why can't you just say in this era he's the best player, which is true? It's a bit like this podcast. For this particular podcast you've been excellent i've been sensational i think i'm the best of all have you since last week you're the best of all time podcaster no I, of course not i don't have the really voice. you gotta have that you know low hollow i don't have that but um well you used to work you used to work on that telephone line of course hi hi on the third strike it'll be 12 o'clock. do you remember the people used to ring up the time to get the time do you remember that the world clock. You'd actually ring a number and it'd say it is eleven thirty-seven and thirty-six seconds. <laughs> All right, I think I, th- I think we've lost our audience. All right, that brings us to a close. Another big week in the world of rugby league. Thanks for being with us, G. And just stay away from the supplements, I, I okay? Will, but um, and hopefully this week 
this week's NRL week was a actually was it a filler episode? I mean, we had you know those home and away episodes where nothing happens. I mean, Michael Jennings ended up getting suspended for drug use. Who knows what happens? It's like days of our lives. God, we can only imagine what's going to come up. Let me know if Asada knocks on your door at six thirty tomorrow morning. I will. You'd probably have to wait a couple of minutes while I give them a sample. So I'll see you next week. <laughs> see you next week, Chief. Bye. Bye.